Yo, what's up, everybody? I am Thomas Dopaziola, whatever you want to call me. Welcome back to the Dope as Usual podcast. This is my co-host, Marty O'Neill. What's up, folks? Super sick shirt, by the way. This is my co-host, Marty O'Neill. Let's get started, guys. Today's guest, uh, globally recognized entrepreneur, motivational speaker, just all-around positivity pusher, I would like to say. This is Charlie, Charlie Rock. Thank you for coming, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you here, being man. here, dude. And uh, the, the earliest guest, you showed up mad yeah, early, yeah. which is great. Like oh, no. People are like, sometimes we're waiting like an hour that's the that's the manager in me. I used to I used to have to fight to get my artists there on time, and the manager in me is just like, nah, we got to be early. Yeah, I so it goes a long ways in business. To be honest, people remember that stuff. Oh, do I can remember the people that showed up late as hell ago? <laughs> what happens when you got to pay? No, like in business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been in business means like you're forty minutes late. You but invited wanna, me. But want to know what's funny is like. When we would be negotiating like record deals and we'd meet with record labels. Like I remember this one time I was managing Travis Porter and uh, Universal was taking us out to Mr. Childs. And we were actually like early to Mr. Childs. But I was like, no, 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 no. We got to like stay in the Sprinter van. We got to make them like think we're like superstars. So uh-huh. we're going to walk in like 45 minutes late. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there I is. A, but honestly, there's there's a strategy to it sometimes. But you never want to be late to a radio interview. But like sometimes when somebody's trying to sign you, sometimes mm-hmm. there's a that, little yeah. tiny strategy. bit of You want to be like, I'm eager as hell and I need this. Yeah. I'm 20 <laughs> minutes early. I get what you're saying, man. There's a little bit of strategy. Mm-hmm. But like, for something like this, early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. It's big stuff. Yeah, you have to. Me, like I'll, I text him like, how far are you? All right, I'm late. My bad. I'm two minutes late. Like I just, I don't know. It's in me because I feel rude, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but, uh, we're so here we go real quick i before we started talking I and mean, before we started the podcast we just did the ted talk you just did the tech talk, ted talk you were speaker also i missed your entire speech because i was in there pace and trying to remember this shit and i wasn't even listening to anybody i was like oh my god i gotta get my shit done i got to watch it i was he right got to watch on you got to see stage it. right getting ready to introduce the next person so okay. i got to front so i got to i missed it all so for everyone out there i i introduced who you were but what do you like at the core we'll get into all the things you used to do because just from what we've learned, like, bro, you've had like five career paths already and you've changed them to, to cater to what you want to do next, mm. which is kind of fucking the, the goal for everybody. Like, I want to do that. I want to be a pilot. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So for everyone out there, what do you do right now? What is it like? What's your goal? Because I've seen you online. Trent, yeah. my videographer. Like, also, you have him on the show? Just so hell. the fans recognize when FKI first came on and attributed Thank the you. guy to basically rescuing him and launching his multi-platinum career as a producer and discovering Post Malone and all these other people, it was Charlie. Yeah, this is the Charlie he was talking about. That's where he's like, one day you guys try to get him on here. Yeah. <laughs> it just happened to work, man. That's right. Yeah, it was sick. Well, if I were to describe what, what I am, uh, I would say, I would say I'm, I'm that guy on your shirt. Mm. That's me. I'm a, so I'm a dream dreamer. Large. He's got his head in the clouds. Absolutely. I'm a dreamer. My head is, is in the clouds. My head is in the clouds this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm in the gym and I put on my like meditation music and I'm like going into the future and I'm seeing everything we're about to do. And like I could tell y'all right now, like prophecy style, what's about to happen over the next three weeks. So there's a little girl we're helping with that has cancer and we surprised her at the TED talk. And so 
I was going to cancel the TED Talk because I was, like, insecure about my weight and stuff because I had gained about 60 pounds. And my whole story is known for, like, weight loss. So it's, like, very, like, getting on stage is traumatizing. But then I shifted my focus from, like, me to, like, let's go big. And when I go big, everything becomes easier. So I said, there's this little girl with cancer, been fighting cancer since she was two. All she knows is the hospital. She doesn't have friends. Like, all she knows is the hospital. And I was like, what if we what if we brought her to life? And I asked her what her favorite who her favorite celebrities were. She said, Mr. Beast and Zendaya. Well, we got Mr. Beast to surprise her at the TED Talk on stage. And he gave her ten thousand dollars for her dream business, which she wants to do a clothing line. But she also wants to meet Zendaya. What she doesn't know is that Zendaya's sister and uncle were in the crowd. So I'm planting seeds for what's about to happen next. Now, I don't know when y'all are putting this out, but hopefully she doesn't listen to it. Hopefully she doesn't listen to it. But what's going to happen over the next three weeks, I'm seeing it now. We're going to help her build a clothing line. We're going to get all the celebrities involved. We're going to do a million dollars in sales in in a couple weeks. We're going to get... The, the 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 Kardashians, we're going to get the Zendayas, we're going to get athletes. She likes streetwear. So we're going to do a fashion runway show at the Dream Factory where celebrities, performers, everybody. We're going to launch the website right there after the after the fashion show. And in the fashion show, there's going to be disabled kids walking. It's going to be a powerful, powerful night. Then we're going to throw a pop-up shop. And then there's going to be a line down the street. And then this little girl's gonna become world famous, and then Rihanna's gonna want her to be like a guest at the Super Bowl. Like I like making people into stars. That's always what I've been passionate about. But here's a little girl who who the the morning the TED talk I talked to her in the morning. She couldn't even answer one of my questions. She was so nervous. She would like look up to her mom for like what should I say? What should I say? She's a 15 year old girl, but like nervous, shy, like in her shell. By the end of the night. Because I asked her mom, I said, if I ask her to get on stage, what do you think she'll say? She'll say no, because she's so shy. I asked her to get on stage. She said, yeah. By the end of that night, she was like, this, that, 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 I'm with my people. Da, da, da. I saw her blossom. I called her mom the next day. She's like, I don't even know who she is. I was like, she just needed the world to see her. And the world's about to see her. She's going to be a star. She's going to have one of the biggest clothing lines in the world in three weeks. Prophecies. See, the thing is, you're saying, well... Will. Oh, it's, Will. it's not like we're going to try. We're do- That's the thing we always say. Like, no, you see things. I've seen things. I saw exactly what we're going to do because I know it will. If not, I will make it work. It's going to happen some way. I love that. So visualization, seeing things come to life. This is something you use in every day of your life then. Absolutely. For everything. Absolutely. And real quick, when you, when you say, I don't want to get up there because I, I gained 60 pounds. I've been doing this. Bro, I'm a fat dude also. I used to do... Uh, <laughs> Weightlifting competitions. Oh shit! So when I was in high school, so I was I actually rocked the fuck out, and then I just started. And then I feel you. Sometimes I'd be on camera like, oh, I don't want to be on camera today. And then I got to start doing shit. So I'm trying to, you. So when you say I'm like, damn, you're pretty open about that because I'm open about that too. But like all these fat fools out here, I feel you. <laughs> Pulling it I down. Feel you. <laughs> I know what you. I know that feeling, bro. Especially if you grew up like that. Yeah. It's even worse, but when you get older to a certain point, you're like, no, I got money now. I got to do this. I'm trying to help people. I got to help myself. Yeah. So we right. watch your Nike commercial. Like, bro, you were running marathons and oh, shit. Yeah. Iron Man. He just signed up for his first one, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. OC Marathon in May. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm doing New Zealand in October. Wow. Yes. And then Africa Ironman uh, March next year. 
Can you break down what the training is like for going into these? Absolutely. Um, I have my own proprietary training method. It's called play. Because when I think about like an Ironman, for example, um, there's complicated ways to go about things. And then there's real easy and simple ways. Um, if you pull out an Ironman training program, it's going to tell you all these like things. So you need to run this many at this heart rate and this on this day yeah. and then this and then bike on this day and then interval this. And then I'm like, forget all that. Let me look at the bottom. How many hours training a week on average in an Ironman training program? 14 hours a week. Okay, cool. 14 hours a week. Um, that's two hours a day. Okay. How can I position this in my mind to be as simple as possible? Okay. Two hours a day. When I was eight years old, going and playing at the park for two hours, that was easy. Going and playing basketball for two hours, going swimming at the pool or riding my bike with my friends for a couple hours. That was easy. Okay. I'm going to train like an eight year old. Let me go play for a couple hours. And then I just have my little push days where it's like less play, but more like what was possible. That's it. Like, I did an Ironman in New Zealand, and I just played. Like, you know how people wear all, like, the little, like, Ironman, like, triathlon, like, biking outfits and all that stuff? I wore gym shorts and a hoodie, and I'm just, like, dancing and mm -hmm. having fun. I'm like, I'm going to play. Like, this is fun. Like, it doesn't have to be so serious, but it's really just do more, a little bit more. You have your little push days, have your little, you know. It's, it's just, that's it. That's my little proprietary like that, way. I got to make it easy in my mind. Because if I make it hard, like it's like in high school. Let's all go back to high school. Uh, uh, geometry or Algebra 2, that's hard. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go to that class. Mm -hmm. But it's positioned in my brain is hard. But like gym class, that's easy. So what do I want to go to? The easy class. So let me stop finding ways for things to be hard because subconsciously that inner child is going to be like, Okay, I know it's hard, but I really don't want to go to the hard thing. I really want to go to the easy thing. So I just position the hardest thing, Ironman, marathon, as easy. Like today, I just left the gym. I did um, uh, a mile and a half. But to me, like, I'm a marathon runner. Like, mile and a half, that's what marathoners do. Not 26 miles, because every marathoner starts off the same way. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to do my little mile and a half, and I'm going to mm -hmm. do my little two miles, then I'm yeah. doing my little three miles. And like, it's really easy. Mm -hmm. So that's how I try to position it. All the experts that I listen to say, try to ramp it up by about like 10% every week or every two weeks. Yeah. Nice gradual ramp up is how you do it in a way yeah. to be able to maintain it. Yeah, you don't Absolutely. try to bench your personal record the first day back in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. So yeah. that's the same shit. See, I hear you, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you would apply that shit to yours because I, I, I'm man. Like I said, like y'all didn't want to go on stage. I gained some weight. I'm like you know, the whole time I was like, "Damn, I'm fat as shit. I'm about to get up on stage. All right, I guess I'll wear a black shirt." Like that's how I felt too. Like, mm -hmm. damn. But there's like ways. It's an insecure. See, if being able to show your insecurity is kind of like being above it in a way. Absolutely, you know. Mm. But because I look at it like this, it's um, it's it's a blessing. So I'm going to be a delusional optimist about any situation I'm in. Delusional. I love that. Delusional optimist. Because if I'm delusionally optimistic about, oh, well, I gained 60 pounds. Well, that's a blessing because when I overcome this, there might be hundreds of millions of people that are inspired. So God had a plan for me to just be more inspirational. 
Because the people who do have problems are truly the most inspirational people on the planet. The perfect people aren't. They're, they're aspirational, not inspirational. So like Oprah, she was like sexually abused. Oprah was fired from her job. Oprah struggles with her weight. Like Oprah, like, <laughs> like the list goes on of all the things she's had problems with. Why do you think she's one of the most inspirational people on the planet? Damn, you really broke she that ain't got the She ain't got the mm-hmm. big butt and the perfect the bikini picture. Be like, Oprah, what you doing? Why are you in a bikini every picture? Like, no, she's real. Real is such a gift for anybody else. It's really of servitude. Like, if I have a problem and I own it and I'm trying to overcome it, now I'm automatically of servitude. See, like, I help people every day as a part of my foundation. Or, like, I help people every day when I was a manager. It was my job to make two changes of dream come true. Travis Porter, Young Dolph, Bankroll Fresh. It was my job to make their dream come true. I'm still doing the same thing. Now it's this little girl. It's my job to make her. But then with my own personal problems, it's my job to take care of me. Because that is now of servitude to the millions. Mm. That if I hold all this stuff into myself, I'm being selfish. If I own it and try now I can help millions, not just the couple people in front of me. It's a gift. It's a way to articulate shit. Yeah. I think you. Do. I would have just been like, man, just get up there and do some shit and be inspired. <laughs> yeah, so you say it right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a motivational speaker, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Dude. Yeah, for damn sure. No, for real. We have people come on here that we do the comments. My brother helps with the comments. We do the first couple thousand comments for every episode. And the shit, I mean, there's people like... I'm trying for this job. Three weeks later, yo, I got this job. Four weeks later, I got a rent. Like, yeah, yeah, we can yeah. see this in the comments. We do meet and greets. You meet people and they go, yo, I'm John 9164. I'm like, from YouTube chat, what's up? How was the baby? Like, <laughs> like, It's different when you start connecting with people like you. Like, I'm helping people. Mm. The way we like to think, like, mm-hmm. I hope this passes the time while you're in, you're stuck at your job. Yeah. and Because we used to be stuck at the job. I'm like, God, I wish I had, I wish I was, how many more mm-hmm. hours? But when you have someone to like to, to talk to, like a virtual friend, yeah. like we're talking about, mm-hmm. it's more motivational. People will look at you. I guarantee you got millions of things. Like y'all lost 140 pounds because of you. Mm-hmm. Yo, I fucking bought a house and I got this. I left this relationship because of shit you said. Mm-hmm. And with him, it's even more substantial because you're dealing with people who are like fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. And I know a part of your story is having a brain tumor, right? Mm-hmm. And you're able to start reversing that oh, yeah. somehow. Yeah. Now, yeah, that was it was especially like a special moment for me watching that. I lost my dad to cancer. He right. had a horrible battle for yeah. a long time, all that, lots of people. Sorry. So it's like seeing that just it's just even different than what we do cuz it's like different level. Yeah, you know, it's it's even more special when it takes a lot more cuz when just to be willing to get involved in scenarios like that that are so tragic over and over that's got to takes a certain kind of individual to be able to to even just do that period let alone to really like go through with it and make it your whole transform your whole life around it now through your foundation yeah somebody asked me the other day they said do you get sad like when you deal with these stories i was like no i was like i feel it like i feel the emotion but the room doesn't need another sad person i was given i guess the, the the ability to see a problem and I feel it but immediately I'm like how do we fix it if I start crying and I'm just thinking now I'm kind of manifesting that something's wrong Mm -hmm. if I start feeling that something's wrong the only thing I'm thinking about when I meet that little girl is okay she's got cancer she's 
potentially about to have leukemia. She had cancer in the femur. But immediately, I'm not sad for her. I'm thinking about all the possibilities that can give her something to live for. My brain can only go one direction at a time. Like, I can't think about two things at once. My brain's not that sophisticated. So it's like, I'm either going to think about how bad it is for her, or I'm going to think about how good it is for her. And I'm I'm just going to fill my brain with all the good things. Like, okay, if we do this, boom, she's going to be happy. She's going to have something to live for. She's going to start healing. She's going to feel good. She's going to feel loved. She's going to feel seen. She's got all these celebrity friends now. Yeah. Now she's like chasing her dream. Next thing you know, the doctor is thinking, oh, wow, like this is working even better than we expected. Be like something is happening because the body has a lot of power to heal. If you feel good, step one, feel good. Get in alignment. There's mm-hmm. this there's this uh, frequency that can exist of healing. Exactly. Marcus actually told me a story first. My bad. I'm gonna start calling stop calling Marcus. So first, to me, is a genius. Uh, he actually introduced me to the law of attraction. Um, back before he was ever successful, he showed me the, the secret. But he told me a story about his father, who had cancer, and nothing was working. And then, like, they had kind of given up hope a little bit. And then Marcus first went down into the basement and pulled out his old records, Marvin Gaye and all that stuff, brought him upstairs, started playing the music. Dad started vibrating. Dad started healing. So that's why my brain won't get sad. Mm -hmm. My brain goes to the possibilities immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. That's just the manifestation too. Like I told you, don't even think about it. Don't even start thinking it's going to be bad Mm -hmm. because then you just put that shit into the code of coming up next. He's talking about very deliberately how I want to place my energy and my thoughts. That's what, when you really wrap your mind around the secret, that's kind of what it teaches you to like be responsible for the way you think. Like you got to install your own OS to think a certain way to perceive things as they come through the, you know, your life. And really it's not even like, Hocus pocus anymore. No. It's not. It's frequent frequencies it's, and vibrations. It's literally man. quantum physics has explained this and broken it down mm-hmm. very clearly. In what way? Oh, God. Let me explain it. Yeah, please, because uh, I'm more of like. I'll give you a visual. Thank you. This is this is what's going to mess you up. All right, guys. Can I bring bongs? Yeah. All right. We thought you'd never Bring asked. four bongs. <laughs> I need four bongs. Okay, we're going to explain quantum physics with... This is the best fucking thing ever. We're going to explain quantum physics with the bongs. Okay. Love it. Where's You should be a teacher. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. So we're going to call this a wall, and we got two doors. These are the two doors, and this is a wall. This is a wall. Now, in quantum physics, what they did was they took an atomic particle, a photon, small little particle of light... And they shot it at this wall. Boom. They just threw it at the wall. And something really weird happened that spooked everybody out. Einstein was like, I I don't get this. It was new science that goes completely against traditional physics. This is an atomic particle. They thought this was a piece of matter. It went through both doors at the same time. If I were to throw this in that door... It almost went through. through. It went through that one, right? That's how that's how like the material world is. It went through that one. If I shot this and it went through both, you'd be like, "Excuse me, did like split in half? Like what happened?" No, this is what actually ended up happening. 
this is not a piece of matter. This is what rewrote everything, and this is what proves the law of attraction proven by science. This is a wave. Now, let's say this was a pond right here, and I dropped this in the pond. A little wave goes out. Does it go through both? Yes. Absolutely. A wave is over there, and a wave is over there. Now, this is the trippy thing. This is what proves the law of attraction. So step one, everything is a wave. That means you're not there and I'm not here. It means if we're in this room, we are literally connected right now. Because if you are a wave and everything is a wave, this is an atomic particle. Everything is made of atomic particles. Everything is a wave. So they took a camera. They said, hold on, step two of this experiment. We're putting a camera right here. We're going to observe this more clearly. They shoot it at the wall. It doesn't go through both. It only went through that one. They said, hold on. It acts different when we have a camera, when there's focus. Hold on. This is, I know this is, this is spooky. Einstein was going through the same thing y'all are going through. <laughs> He's like, I don't know about this. So they took the camera. They put it over here. Said, shot it at the wall. It went through that one. They're like, holy mercy. So when we look somewhere, that's where something is no longer a wave. And it, when they say, you know, where uh, focus goes, energy flows, this is where it comes from. When they focus over here, energy goes here. When they focus over here, energy goes here. No camera goes through both. Crazy. So where you focus. Now, in quantum physics, everything is a possibility. Now, when there's no attention given, this wave is millions of possibilities of locations, superpositions, millions of different places it can be. All of the outcomes are possible. Where it's focused is where it manifests. This is not woo-woo. This is quantum Physics. Now, to prove how connected we all are, the military did an, um, an experiment where they took a man. Let's say they took you. They swabbed your mouth to get your DNA. They put it in a Petri dish. And they sent this Petri dish four blocks down the street, put an instrument on it to read the energy coming off of it. They took you. In this building, they had you watch an emotional film, something that's going to change your energy. They have an instrument on you, reading your energy chart. The Petri dish four blocks down was moving the same as you are, the same. You are connected to that saliva four blocks down. To where its energy chart is changing the same exact as yours is as you're watching this emotional film. We are connected to everything. You are not over there and I am not over here. There is a lot of stuff going on in between us. Like, for example, how many songs and cell phone conversations are flying past us right now? Can we see them? Exactly. Can we hear them? There's songs on the radio flying between us. There's no box to to play it. But they're there. There's information flying. There's energy. One day they will create a camera 
Catch. They could just simply show us what's going on in between us. Like they created a camera that can show us our x-rays. Mm-hmm. They created a little camera. Bloop. Now I can see it. I can't wait to see what that camera shows one day. What the secret really like made me think about in terms of what we're talking about is like a brainwave is a, it's like an audio wave. You can, mm-hmm. me- it's a real physical thing. Like you're saying that you just can't see, mm-hmm. but the brainwave is really going out and it's impacting on what's coming back to you, mm-hmm. whether you realize it or not, just like gravity. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how gravity works. It's still working every time. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you say that, is that why twins sense everything so well? You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Like even mothers and their children. Because me and my my fiance, there'll be times where I'm like, I call her like, "What's going on?" I can, f- I, I know something. What's going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. Like when during the TED Talk shit, she's in the back. She's like, "Calm down." Like I, I can feel you from out here. I'm like, "Damn, yeah, I was freaking out back here." Like, "Yo, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Are we next? Are we not? All right, study." So that's that blew my fucking. I'll, t- mind I'll tell right you now. some crazy stuff. I'll give you a couple examples. One, um, I wanted to manifest being a Nike athlete. Like I was 300 pounds. I had a brain tumor. I just had a vision. I knew I could do it. I would write down every day. I was in a going to be in a commercial with LeBron James and Serena Williams. Every day I'd write it, manifest it, feel it. I was in the biggest Nike commercial of all time with LeBron James and Serena Williams. And I won an Emmy for it. And it was the Colin Kaepernick commercial. It was the biggest Nike commercial of all time. Stock price went up $9 billion and I won an Emmy for it. And it was named after me. The fuck? Yes. I miss your whole damn speech, man. Damn. <laughs> so wait, you want an Emmy for the commercial? The commercial we watched, the the Colin Kaepernick commercial. No, yes. this is oh, different. the Colin. Kaepernick. That was my fan made Nike yeah. commercial, which was a whole nother manifestation because I needed a filmmaker for that. So I was writing down because to make a, a Nike commercial, Nike grade Nike commercial, yeah. like the one you saw, you need a commercial level production. Com- like that's like sixty hundred thousand dollars because sure. you got to make the original music, Hans Zimmer type music, the anamorphic lenses, the lighting, the sound design, all that stuff. And I manifested one person, and everybody told me I was crazy. You're not going to find somebody who can do that for cheap. Guy walked in my front door. I wrote in my notebook, today is the day I find the videographer is going to do this for me. He walked in my front door. We made that commercial with $600. Damn. Nike saw it, flew me to New York. I mean, flew me to Portland, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. Not Eugene. To the Beaverton, Oregon. Beaverton, yeah. And then... They changed the entire direction of their company. But I manifested like working with Oprah. Boom. Next day. I I need an author for my book. So I just tell people my dreams, what I'm looking for. Next day, this guy runs into my friend at the office and he says, man, what are you working on? He said, oh, I'm working with this guy named Charlie. He saw it. He said, wow, does he want to write a book with me? This is 24 hours later. New York Times bestselling author. So it's like these manifestations, they happen. It's not woo-woo. It's literally when you're tapped in and you're like this delusional optimist and you're feeling so good, you're feeling so possible. When you get away from a physical state and get more into an energy state, now you connect with everything. It's almost like you get off the elevator. You know the cell phone on the elevator? Like we'll call the elevator like negativity, uh, um, uh, like this like gravity of life. The elevator is the gravity of life. You can't truly connect. You walk off the elevator, perfect reception. Mm -hmm. So it's like if there's anything negative in my life or anything that's holding me back from feeling good, like I got to get off this elevator. Once I get off the elevator, get all the negative people away from me, if I feel good, now all of a sudden I got full reception. If I have full reception, now I can truly connect to everything that I want to manifest. Even 
there's information flowing to me. Ideas are flowing. Downloads. They call mm -hmm. it downloads. You ever wonder why, like, an artist, you know, has, like, a chapter of their life where they're, like, channeling greatness. I guarantee you Fetty Wap wrote them three songs within the same month. <laughs> you know, I guarantee you he was channeling something. You know, some people know how to stay in the channel. Sometimes people, when they struggle, they channel so good. But then once they get success, it puts them in the elevator and then they don't know how to connect yep. anymore because now they got all these things blocking their frequency. But it's like if you can stay grounded and channel, now information can flow back. You send information out, it comes back. You see what it's I'm saying? It's a great analogy, I got to be honest. That really is. Perfect way to that. put it. I always say, like the, I'm not going to say, but like, there's just certain negative people in your life. I, I realize like I have to get away from you, or not get away from you. I have to stiff arm you slightly, keep you at a distance. So I can keep this negativity. Like I said, it's like a fucking, I'm hot. There's a heater right there. It's not killing me, but it's not fucking helping me. That's either. right. Get away from That's me. That's right. So I can just cool down a little bit. That's how I've been feeling lately. And like, everything's been, I mean, I'm not going to say, but everything's been fucking well oil machine just doing this. And when I did that, like, yo, we can, I deal with this thing in my life when I can deal with it. Like right now I can't. Yeah. So I just need to start focusing on this so I can feel blind when I wake up so I can go knock shit out. Like, That's right. Do you, do you uh, say you're doing the computer and your whole desk is messy? Can you? I can't think. Like I feel like my shit has to be in order. I have to be good. I have to be ready to go. That's right. Then I can get my best shit out because I'm not thinking of. Yeah. My brain's not yeah. preoccupied. The TED Talk really taught us about mental bandwidth and how it much did. we can actually oh, man, it did. do yeah. within a amount of facts, time facts. in terms of cranking out the production on our three channels, writing the talk, memorizing the talk, yeah. and getting ready to go and actually deliver it. Right. <laughs> on top of moving sets this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, we hit and our I'm mental my bandwidth. House. Yeah, so he's talking about you know the day after the TED talk having a hundred missed text messages. Yeah, all oh, this, all this drama coming at him, just bouncing off him because just that much in the zone. That's really how it was. It's true. Like I had a lot of bullshit with my family this week. I went, hey, I'll fucking talk to you Sunday. I'll That's talk right. to you Saturday. I need. I can't. I realized that there is a mental bandwidth. You think you could do everything? You can't. You have to. See. I got to find a videographer. Because I'm not a videographer, but I got to find someone with the same work ethic as me that I can say, mm -hmm. green light, you're the guy. Mm -hmm. Same thing, like mm -hmm. Marty, Mike, I found Marty, we just started doing this. Mm -hmm. Because we found somebody like, oh, I bounce off you, you bounce off me, there's nothing bad here, let's keep going. Yeah. So when you find those people, and you're that guy, you're that guy for everyone else, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So it's, it's cool to see this, we've never had a, a guest mm -hmm. that can articulate what the fuck they're yeah. trying to say in a way that every single camera, every person can be, oh, you know what? I kind of feel inspired. You're communicating the overall message of this podcast much more intelligently. Thank than you. We do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying it good. Hey, what's up, guys? Taking a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, and this is ShipStation. Right here, Push Trees. We have been using ShipStation actively for over half a decade. And from personal experience from a small business owner, the number one reason on earth that people leave abandoned carts are shipping costs. Too high of shipping costs, they see the rate and go, nope, not buying it. In the world of e-commerce, the most prevalent thing is competition. And to stay one step ahead of competition, having lower shipping costs. I'm telling you, from me to you, ShipStation can help you keep your customers happy, lower shipping costs, keep things very organized. ShipStation makes it easy in one interface for you. It's easy to set up and the trial is free. If you're a small business owner, there is no reason for you not to try it out. From me to you, it's worth it. If you use Amazon, Etsy, eBay, any of those can be integrated with ShipStation. Automate shipping tasks, print shipping labels, all the information, everything you need, that's sending out the tracking, ShipStation can do every single thing for you. All of these things perfectly integrate together. This is for the small business owner. 
Go to ShipStation.com, use our code DOPEASUSUAL, and that's 60 days for free. Over 130,000 people, small business owners, have tried ShipStation. 98% of the people that use it stay forever. And like I said, I've been using ShipStation for over half a decade. Get your 60-day free trial right now by going to ShipStation.com forward slash DOPEASUSUAL. So, thank you so much to ShipStation for sponsoring the show. Back to the episode. Now, one person that is, I know a lot of our fans was, a, you know, really listened to and was a huge fan of that you worked with was Young Dolph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you were involved uh-huh. in very early on. <laughs> is there any stories or anything that we might not know about him that we should know about? Man, I, I miss Dolph. God, dog. Man, I was a mega fan of Dolph. So I was managing 2 Chains at the time. And um, people don't know this, but 2 Chains' first paid feature ever. Was Young Dolph. Young Dolph. Really? Young Dolph was in the streets and he was a big fan of Tit. But getting two changes career off the ground wasn't the easiest. He had yep. been around for so long already, right? Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. He had like a 20 year career before I think he was like 38, up. 39 before he really started popping. Uh, like 34. 34. 34. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like 21 when I started managing uh, Tit. Um, but Dolph, I mean, I love Dolph so much because in a time where Rappers had become, uh, we'll call them like more like drug addicts than drug dealers. Mm-hmm. You know, things go in waves. It's it's, it's normal. Yeah. Like you know, um, when I was growing up, Jeezy, Ti, Gucci Man, these were all like drug dealers, or mm-hmm. I call them just entrepreneurs. At the end of the doing day, doing the drugs wasn't cool. It, it, yeah, it's just like you know, like different. what are you doing? Like if you're high, you're not going to be focused oh, on productive. running your business operation. Yeah. So I craved that still, but I always was looking for what was next in hip hop. And like, I always had a gift of um, seeing around the corner. So like when I came into the game, I came in with Soldier Boy. So it's like we ushered in the the viral era of hip hop. Mm-hmm. So then you had this extreme like viral dance movement. And I said, okay, um, what's next is going to be this kind of like singy dance music i mean singing kind of like energy so like before this is before future i kind of saw it and travis porter they were doing that there was a a a guy in the group called quez and he had this almost singing voice but like not singing it's normal today um but you know uh with travis porter it was like okay that started popping off and the girls really liked Mm -hmm. them but then i was like okay what's next i was like right now it's kind of girl dance twerk music What's next? It's going to be the streets. It's going to go from this like young to like old. The pendulum always swings. Mm-hmm. So in business, you always got to look for the pendulum. It's like usually culturally, uh, you got to break a rule to be next. Mm-hmm. So like when you have um, fashion, for example, we went from really baggy clothes to like, well, what's going to be next? Really skinny clothes mm-hmm. because people want identity. That's just, um, I call it the little brother theory in business. And if anybody's watching this who, who's thinking about business, you actually have an extreme advantage if you're not good at something. So, like, I'll give an example. If you're really bad at something, I think you have um, a better chance of making it than somebody who is extremely talented. Because, let's say at the time, future's popping. Right. Lil Yachty comes around. So like 
All of us. Your big brother, your little brother. You like future. Little brother, when he's little, he really wants to be like his big brother. So he's going to like anything you like. But then once he gets to a certain age, he wants to start having his own identity. So he's going to secretly start liking the things that are the opposite of what you like. So he's going to start liking Playboy Cardi. Like, and then you're like, man, what is this shit? He ain't even saying nothing. Or like, oh, that's not real hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like, but that gives him an identity. So it's like, first time I heard Playboy Cardi, I'm like, I don't know what this is. But then I'm seeing this like cult-like fan base. And I'm like, holy shit. Where like, if you try to be just like Future, you might end up like Designer. I didn't want to say it. Or if if you're traditionally not good by the scheme of things, you're going to represent an entire generation and their identity by not being good. People didn't think uh, uh, Soldier Boy was any good. You know, even when Future came out, they called this mumble rap. Mm -hmm. The older folks are like, no, this ain't good. Like uh, Migos, oh, this ain't good. But you're representing an entire younger brother generation. Mm -hmm. So if you're technically not good, I think you have an advantage. Mm. It's just you can't be too smart about how you're going about it and compare yourself. You got to understand that, you know, like if, if, if you don't have the good microphone or the good producer, mm-hmm. you still have an advantage because if you go listen to XXS's first music, sound like, <laughs> but that represents Shit the little pop, brother yeah. theory. Mm-hmm. The little brother now likes that. So the older brother's like, man, man, I don't know what that is. You see what I'm saying? 100%. It's exactly how it mm-hmm. works. This I heard 100%. Irv Gotti break down. This was his exact thought when putting out DMX. He was like, we had Puffy in the shiny shoes. We had Jay-Z over here in the Rolls Royce with the suit on. DMX was the have not. He came through with get at me, dog. I had all the lights flashing. I'm fucking up your eyes. We're not clean. We're not cute. We're mm-hmm. the fucking streets. Mm-hmm. That was the same shit. He was that next generation, right? The, the contrast. Mm-hmm. And he was his own mega superstar. When you would have looked at him like, look, this fucking kid out living on the fucking top of this roof out here this dog (laughs) when we had the puffy era hip-hop but his superstardom was just as big and then you can say the same thing for kanye because kanye Mm -hmm. served uh i mean they thought he was gay but it served like if you look at the the scheme of like um how things go it's like okay things have traditionally gotten a little bit softer and softer and softer and softer right kanye was at the right place the right time and he just owned it but that was the little brother thing, because big brother's like, man, we from the streets. Mm-hmm. Little brother's yeah. like, I got my polo exactly. backpack. Polo, my little, glasses on. Little choir on the song, little, mm-hmm. you know, music, you know. And it's just like, that's a gift to be at that point where you can shift culture. Mm-hmm. And you shift culture by breaking rules. So going all the way back, I felt Young Dolph and in the time of hip-hop. We needed a, a drug dealer. We need an entrepreneur rapper again. And I was like, he's the one. Like, he's my favorite. Like, I get motivated by him. Oh, fuck yeah. And, and Dolph was such a businessman that, like, I just, like, would drive to Memphis every day and just, like, meet with him and be like, man, I really want to manage you. And he was like, man, I don't sign to nobody. I was like, I get it, but I really got a vision for you. And I just started putting points on the board, and I didn't ask for permission to be great. I just wanted to show I could bring value. And, I mean, it took off. I remember the first record I started pushing was, uh, if you ain't talking money, I don't want to talk. And then 
we found Preach. It's the <sighs> first song I ever heard on the way to San, San Francisco Drive to, to, to L.A. And I heard mm-hmm. it. Fuck is this? Yeah. That's the first mm-hmm. song I ever heard. Dolph taught me a lot about value, too. Because I was, I was, I ran a very, like, successful management company. But I was always, like, get it out the mud type mindset. Like, look, like, Dolph, do this show for 1500 It's a good opportunity. We got to be moving. We got to. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not doing nothing for less than 20000 I'm like, shit. That's not how it works. Like, we got to be active. Yeah. He's like, I'm worth twenty. Excuse me, the, the sparkling water. He's like, I'm worth 20000 And I'm like, all right, let me ask for 20000 And they said yes. Mm. Next thing I know, Dolph's getting sixty, eighty thousand 80000 to book a, a nightclub. And I'm like, wow, like he taught me, like, you can still get to the same place even if you take different streets. It's like mm. sometimes you got to know your worth. Mm-hmm. And... I feel them. I learned a lot that I apply today because there's brands that come and try to do deals with me for $500,000 or $750,000. I send them away. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I know my value. It's like, I'm not doing a promo code. Keep your $750,000. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Because Hasbro's coming. Right? <laughs> you know the story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know well, the Hasbro a, story? I read a little bit about it. Yeah. No, the Hasbro story was crazy. Hasbro the toys? Yeah. It was a crazy, it was actually a manifestation story. I never tell this you story. You have a Hasbro toy? No. <laughs> like, Bro, you got a little you? <laughs> Better. Oh, I had the truck. I had the diesel. So so in, in the pandemic, I'm touring across America, getting the foundation off the ground, but I'm just helping people. They told us all to go in the house, and I went outside. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going outside. People need help. So it got to about seven months into the tour, and the foundation ran out of money. I was selling my houses, giving, basically giving all my money away because I believed in this vision for what I'm trying to build. I put in 600000 of my own dollars into my foundation. I'm not that rich, you know, but I have enough to go try to build something. Um, and then we had, we had, the foundation ran out of money. Money. My manager quit right when the money ran out. It was like those dark times. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, look, I'm going to stop the tour for three weeks. I'm going to go set up shop in Atlantic City. I was in New York when my manager quit. So I was like, let me go down to Atlantic City, get a little Airbnb. And just like start fundraising. And part of my fundraising strategy is not just making phone calls. Part of my fundraising strategy is also manifestation. There was a little church down the way that had a labyrinth. It's like a little maze type thing where you kind of like pray and manifest in it. Like you walk in it and it's, it's just a cool thing called a labyrinth. Um, and then I'll go out to the beach and I'll just like manifest and like close my eyes. And what transpired was... I manifested, I said, I see a company donating $500,000 to our mission. I saw it. Now, I wasn't making any phone calls to companies. I was just calling rich individuals for donations. Um, But then I got a phone call from this lady named Jen at Hasbro. And I was like, holy mercy, is this it? Is this it? Because all my boys know. Like, I'm like, no, I've been manifesting this. Everybody knows there's like this wizardry that is possible Mm -hmm. when I write stuff down. So everybody's like excited. So I said, I said, this might be it. So I get on the Zoom call with Hasbro and we're like excited. And we're like, I'm like, so what y'all thinking? They're like, we really love what y'all do. We want to donate. $50,000 $50,000 to y'all. Still. I'm, I'm look, no, super grateful. Yeah, I super like, grateful. Almost. 
<laughs> but then I looked at my boys and I was like, damn, that wasn't the one because I wrote down 500,000. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's going to happen though. It's going to happen. The next day Hasbro calls back and they said, we were doing this big influencer campaign that we just would rather y'all do this instead of like all these other influencers just doing random dances or something. We want to increase the budget to 150,000. I was like, really? I was like, still not the 500, but that's great. Like, but I'm like, this is a blessing. Like it's working. And then the next day, Jen calls me. She said, word has gotten out in the company about what y'all do. And it got up to the boss. And the boss said he wants to take the whole entire Christmas marketing budget. $450,000. And what we did over the next three weeks is we built toy stores in the mall where, like, you kids, underprivileged kids can come pay with Monopoly money, get as many oh, toys as they want. Sick. We gave away houses. We gave away cars. We gave away puppies. We gave away. It was the craziest 30 days that what we did with Hasbro. But it's like I knew it was going to happen. It wasn't the 500000 It was four hundred fifty. I, I, we ended up raising 750000 in three weeks. Wow. But, see, it wasn't just a business strategy. It was also an energy strategy. You see what I'm saying? 100%. Like, I believed delusionally it was going to happen. And then when we only got the 50000 I was a little down. It's human. But then look what happened a couple of days later. Like, that's, that's that's a real story. It's crazy. That's fucking insane, bro. All that's the toys the you ever grew up with. Role you can <laughs> get on when you really start deliberately moving like this over the years you gain momentum like that yeah. i feel like and to the point where it's like i did this and i can point to it and look at this shit like mm-hmm. yeah yeah on that Evidence. big level yeah, yeah it really like, worked because th- i mean i know you probably haven't seen the show this is what we preach every fucking week if it's not sometimes we don't have a guest and it's just me and him going yeah, for yeah, two yeah. and a half hours talking mm-hmm. about you know life and this and i feel like You've articulated a way that people could come home with something instead of like, you know, I like that show. They motivate me. Now it's like, oh, I can use steps on why I'm motivated. Yeah. Mm. Like you got to put it into a sense that we could take home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like manifestation for dummies. Mm-hmm. For me, because mm-hmm. I understood everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, see, I still like, can yeah. articulate how I feel about <laughs> the way you said it. So, That's funny. I'm trying. I'm trying. Part, our talk was called Definition of a Hustler mm-hmm. because, as you know, the theme of the evening was how to start from scratch with nothing. That's right. And we found the hustler is the epitome of that. Somebody that can go outside with nothing and come back from something. Yeah. And our real advice to people was find what you're good at, find what you love and find what adds value to other Mm -hmm. people. And where those three overlap is where your finish line is, where your marathon begins. Yeah. Is there anything that you tell people when they're like, I don't know what path I want. I have all this energy. I just don't know what's for me. Absolutely. Um, so, so like every every part of your journey is just practice. So the first thing is like, I think it's very dangerous um, to always be looking out into this like perfect place. When I, I just tell you this, when I was in high school, I was pretty popular, but I was uh, in a tough situation because I wanted to be a part of the basketball team. But I was too, I wasn't good enough to be on the high school team. So I go to the coach and be like, what can I do? He said, there's only one spot. There's the manager. That's a water boy. Got to sweep the floor. 
got to do these things. Usually popular kids won't do. Of course. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'm going to do it with pride. And it's like, okay, is that my dream job? No. But it's practice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sweep that floor at halftime in front of the, everybody. I'm going to hand that water to the player. Just like everybody. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to do that great. Then I'm a cameraman. For rappers, cameramen in hip hop is usually disrespected. They don't even call you your name. They just be like, cameraman, 100%. shoot this, cameraman, why the camera not on? But it's like, how can I do that the same way as the water boy? So, okay, this is practice. If I can be great at this thing that's not my dream job, I can, I can learn everything. The cameraman's in every room. Cameraman can soak up what's happening in this meeting. Cameraman can know these radio DJs. Cameraman can know how managers think. Cameraman can know everything. So it's like, I'm going to, this ain't my dream job, but that's okay. I'm going to do it with excellence. It's practice. And then when I became a manager, was that my dream job? Still no. Because it's like, still like, just like kind of. You get, you know, it's a tough thing to do. I'm not going to talk shit about it because it's a blessing. But it's no different than the water boy or the cameraman. It's like kind of like this just servitude job. But it's tough. You get yelled at and all sorts of stuff. But I'm going to do it with excellence. And then when I left that, then I'm like, okay, now I'm in my dream job. But I'm living multiple lives getting to it. I used to sell vacuum cleaners. I used to have clothing lines. Like all sorts of stuff. But do it with excellence and climb a ladder. Like, when you do something, it doesn't have to be the whole book. It could just be a chapter. But how could that chapter be the best chapter? Because exactly. if the chapter ain't good, people are going to tune out of the book. Mm-hmm. I need the whole book to be good. So this chapter, I'm going to do excellence. This chapter, I'm going to do excellence. This chapter. And that's really hustling because it's like you don't have to worry about where you're at when you know where you're going. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can be fine right here in this shitty situation. Because I know where I'm going, but let me do this better than anybody. Than while I'm here, while this is right in well, front of me. This is exactly yeah. the fuck. I, I swear to God, mm-hmm. everything he's saying is exactly what we say every week. It's fucking great to hear it from another perspective <laughs> and see it working. Because you're doing shit on a global level. And you're following the same steps as the dude that mm-hmm. works at McDonald's that I worked at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I was like, I fucking hate doing this meat, but watch my shit be the best fucking burgers on the shift. My shit's clean. Look, like, there's, there's mm-hmm. a, take pride in everything you do and then the things that you love. I mean, it becomes second nature of like, no, it's a given that I'm going to crush it. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm going to knock it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause It becomes a confidence more mm-hmm. than an arrogance. It's not like arrogance, like I'm confident in my, mm-hmm. in my brain. Yeah. It's a confidence within yourself that you're, you're working towards something that you might not even know what it is. That's what we realized too. Like podcasting didn't exist when no. we said I was on some mixtape rapper shit. He was selling packs of weed. Like you may not have known that this life you're living now was even what you wanted to do mm-hmm. way back when you started in the record business. Mm-hmm. That probably wasn't even a thing. Mm-hmm. But as you kind of, it's like in the secret, Jack Canfield said, one of our favorite expressions, you can drive across the country in the dark with your headlights on, just seeing the 15 feet in front of you mm-hmm. and just working with what's there. And then eventually you're like, oh shit, I didn't even know it could be this good. I'm here. Yep. Facts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah a living example, example of it, man. Yeah. Thank you. So, question. How'd you grow up? Where did, where did you grow up? How'd you grow up? Did you have both parents? You guys grew up with money? You guys grew up struggling? This is another, like a building block I like to ask people. Like, so how was it growing up? Atlanta, Georgia, man. Um, I grew up 
I grew up in Atlanta. My dad was a blues musician. My mom was a vacuum cleaner saleswoman. <laughs> That's why you sold vacuums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My grandfather was a Me vacuum too. cleaner. And salesman. Charlie. That's my dad, a blues really? musician. Yeah. Your dad's a blues musician yeah, too? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's literally what his dad did. Damn. So yeah, man, like I I I I grew up very antisocial though. And which I always think was a gift. I think it's the greatest gift uh, that I had as a child because, like, I was, even though I was kind of popular, I was scared to go in environments that I couldn't control. Like, I'd never go to a house party. Even a football game on a Friday night, high school football game, was like nervous to me. Like, I, I didn't know how to do that. So I look at that as such a blessing because it made me uh, overcompensate. So I needed people to come into my world because I early on identified I don't enjoy going into theirs. So if I start businesses, people can come into my world because I want to interact with people. Sports, it was great because it's like the basketball team. It's my world. But then when I couldn't do sports, well, what am I going to do? I buried my dream of athletics. I always wanted to be an athlete. So then I buried that dream and I became a businessman that gave me a way to interact. And then I got good at it. But um, growing up, I'll say uh, a combo of, of lower class and middle class. Um, my dad my dad was just like a carpenter, a mechanic. Um, my mom, my, my parents never made more than $30,000 a year combined. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were smart. They were smart with their money. They saved every penny. So, like, my dad, he would save the money so much that, like, in the wintertime, and it, go, it gets cold in Atlanta. Like, it'll get down to, like, zero degrees. My dad wouldn't turn the heat on to save money, and he would use the fireplace. And it's just like, Pop's like, cut the heat on, man. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, we're saving, we're saving, we're saving. I'm like, all right, I get it. But I didn't understand until later. And it was important lessons because my dad would save every penny they would make. And then they would buy like a little rental property. Mm. And then in the neighborhood, they own five little like rental properties in the house. And when we were growing up, we grew up in a part of Atlanta, like where it was kind of like a white trash community, but like transitioning out, like kind of being like houses being torn down and building new houses. Mm-hmm. So my parents were in the right place at the right time. They were buying these little houses. And then the house we grew up in, it was built in like 1910, super old house. But then when my parents got divorced, the judge made them sell everything. The house I grew up in, my parents bought for like 40000 They sold it for $1.1 Damn. million. And that's one house. How did the value go up so fucking How much time? How much time had passed? Probably like 20 years. Wow. So they got divorced when I was 18. So I graduated <sighs> high school, moved in with my mom, put a studio in my mom's basement. We moved basically like a down the street. Put a studio in my mom's basement. That's when my hip-hop career started. And, uh, like, a lot of Atlanta hip-hop culture was in my mom's basement. And then, you know, I ended up, you know, Soldier Boy's cameraman and then got fired. And then ended up discovering this girl group, got them a record deal. They left me for Sierra's manager. I got fired again. And then I discovered Travis Porter, and I was like, I'm going to treat this like a business, not so much like music. Music, you always think about a record deal. Business, you think about just like the system of like, if I do this, this much revenue will come in. Mm -hmm. Not even looking to gatekeepers. A business, if you have a coffee shop, you're not looking at no gatekeeper. 
even YouTube, you're not even look. You're like, it's a business. If I do this content, mm-hmm. boom. Mm-hmm. If I get this, boom. So I started treating music like a business. And I would pass out CDs every night. And I would do uh, like eight hours of MySpace comments every day. Like running the play. Like I'm just like, mm-hmm. boom. And to Carpal Tunnel. Yeah, I got it too from all the yeah. years of doing shit. Yeah. But I'm running that play. Travis Porter's career takes off. And I discovered Titty Boy, 2 Chains. And then Bankroll Fresh, R.I.P. Bankroll, R.I.P. Dolph. Like I was really in it. Like in Atlanta, it was um, it was it was it was pretty calm for the first. You need to hit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got those same cameras. Yeah, I know yeah, that it does sound. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like you know, it it we in Atlanta, it was it was such a blessing. I loved it. I loved music, and I miss it so much. Do you I miss ever go it back? So much. I'm going to go back in a different way, not as like a manager, but I want to give back. I feel I feel such a, a, a passion for teaching young artists how powerful they are. And that it's always an outward look. Like an artist always feels like, oh, I need a manager. Artists always like, I need a record label. Artists are always like, you know, I need these things in order to have a tour or to get on the radio. It's like, no, like if you only understood your power, you have the ability to upload a song. And the song is way more viral than a YouTube video could ever be. A song is more powerful than a movie or a book. Mm-hmm. A song is the only thing on this planet that can get billions of streams. We'll do a TED Talk. It might max out at 10 million. A song can have billions and billions. There's just nothing like it. It's literally viral. It's universal. Universal language. So... I wish artists knew their passion. So when I go back to music, I'm going to go back on a mission to just like change as many lives as possible because I want people to experience that dream. I love that, man. I've only had one idea with my fiance. It's like I want to get to a point where I can go back to my hometown, like buy an apartment complex. Yeah. Anybody going to school or actively trying to do music, arts, filming, anything could live for free while they're doing their thing. That's big. I'd be sick, right? Like a little of the rent taken off of yeah, your, thousand dollars a person. Like, bro, it's perfect. Like you can change someone's life for a thousand dollars. They only stay for four months. They're gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're gone. They left. Now we got a new for it. Cause I always feel like the, uh, the young us is out there. The young us needs to see the results of like, dude, I was you. I worked at McDonald's. I worked multiple jobs. I worked here. I got fucking, I hated it, but I knew one day, like it's just the, it's just my path. I know this will be, I'll be thinking about this later. Like when I stopped yeah. selling weed, like I got no money no more, but, It'll be worth it one day. It took 10 years, but I could see that one day I know I'll be sitting there stoked. I'm on a stage doing, I, I, I see these things like, like the next week's episode, check out, wait for next week's episode. You'll see this. And that's how I feel more. Kind of like the, you were saying the visualization. Mm-hmm. I just see it more of like a screenshots of, I think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know the path to get there or how I'm going to get there, but it always fucking works out once you, this just sounds like I'm doing a TED Talk speech again. It always works out once you start putting in your positive effort. And like we talked about earlier, like you just kind of, there's only so much bandwidth you could do. There's only so much negativity that can be around you before it starts going inside of your path and like blinding you a little. Yes, sir. So there's a lot of people, like we do the comments, there's a lot of people out there like, I, you know, my family, this. I'm sure you have family that you're like, you know what, I need to stay away from just a little bit. So I can start doing my thing. We all have yeah. it. It's not, not all perfect. Even if you're fucking rich and balling. Like, you know, 
my dad's not perfect. I still have to deal with that shit. So it's like there's st- stuff you have to do all the time. Yeah. And I feel like the way you can, thank you for coming on the show too. Of course. The way you articulated everything, the way you said everything, I feel like these comments are going to be different than any of the comments we've done. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is what was needed right now. It's a new year. People need to start looking forward to something, something they can actually look forward to, even if it's not tangible or materialized yet. Yeah. It's there. I'll, I'll tell you one yeah. of my goals, because I, I, have, I, have I have a really big passion of starting over. I like proving what's possible um, and reinventing constantly. And there's this um, shift I'm making right now in my entire organization. Because, you know, we got lots of, like, TikTok followers. We got, like, 7 million. On your Dream Foundation thing? Just mine. Oh, just yours on TikTok. Okay, okay. Um, And then, you know, like a million on Instagram. But I'm like, I came into the game doing YouTube. Like, me and Soldier Boy invented YouTube. Like, we didn't call it a vlog. It wasn't named yet. But we were the first vloggers. Mm -hmm. Like... YouTube is so powerful. And I told my team the other day, I said, I'm making a shift. I'm going completely left. And I said, it's going to be really difficult because it's it's unlike any other platform. YouTube is like a business mm-hmm. and a business. I look at, I look at YouTube as like the NBA where like TikTok and Instagram are like a uh, street ball, mm-hmm. not even minor leagues. It's street ball. You can have all the popularity in the world and you might have a couple skipped to my lose or like hot sauces. <laughs> Yeah. But like you talk about anyone often on this show, bro. <laughs> but then in the NBA, it's like there's only a few there who really do it's it. A great but analogy. they're all successfully rich. And you know, like there's mm-hmm. no there's no yeah, broke yeah. folks on YouTube who are successful. There's plenty of, you know, so I said, listen, we're gonna take an entire shift and we're gonna go all in on YouTube. And I'm applying all these same things. And I'm like, okay, I told my team we're uploading every day. Every day? Every day. Like, we got a lot of backloaded content, so it's a little bit easier. But I said, goal number one, we're going to average 10,000 views a day. So then it took us about five weeks to get to about 10,000 views a day, just like our baseline Mm -hmm. view. And then it took five days to get to 20,000 views a day. And I said, see, this is what obsession is. I'm like studying the analytics. I'm like, I got a few employees and they're seeing how obsessed I get at the beginning of starting a business. It's all about that obsession. And I'm like diving in. I know every little retention rate for every video and I know this and that. And I told my team, I was like, you got to be that obsessed. Like we're starting a business here. This ain't YouTube. You hear YouTube. No, this is a business. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be something that cracks this thing wide open. And we're not going to know exactly when or where. But if we're that consistency, and so we're on a mission right now to be by the end of January, 100,000 a, a day, day, a day. Good shit. And then by uh, like April, a million a day. Like I'm not messing around with it, but I want to actually learn from you because I haven't done YouTube since 2007. Oh, damn. That's a long time, bro. We're talking about Crank Dead Soldier. Boy. That's a whole. The first time <laughs> I ever heard that, I was buying mushrooms in front of my high school, going to buy oranges. Like, who's Soldier Boy? I swear to God, that was I was seventeen years old. The first time I heard mm-hmm. that song, I remember it too. Yeah. So, oh shit! So you guys are doing YouTube, and I was not even here. I didn't even have a smartphone yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the iPhone came out when we were on tour together. Oh shit! Soldier Boy a, really was the first one with the iPhone. I had the Koi, the Koi Samsung. I flipped. And I had we were the, sick. I had the Helios. And the sidekick. 
Oh, the sidekick, sidekick was too much for me. You're balling if you had the sidekick. Yeah, if you were yeah. b- b- sidekick <laughs> or Blackberry, you're making business moves back then. Right? <laughs> oh hell no! I had a brick. I had it on my vision board. <laughs> <laughs> a Blackberry on your vision board. Or a sidekick. What oh. advice would you have for me? Because oh. I'm a student. You ready? I'm not an expert. I'm always a student. What advice do you have for me to get to that million views a day? For YouTube right now, exactly what the fuck you're doing on your other platforms, just extend it longer. People want to see something that you can you can capture the attention of a five year old to eighty five year old, and they'll mm-hmm. all have the same emotion of happiness and mm-hmm. like, wow, oh my god, is there more? See, the things you do aren't about you. They're you're there as the Bob Barker. Yeah. And you're like, I'm moving this along, and you guys are the audience. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. oh, the special showcase winner is the person we're fucking helping today. Yeah. That's how I feel like you're like, when you think of shows, you're like, fucking Bob Parker. When you think of like people giving back, oh, you mean Charlie? That's how I think you are going to be on the whole YouTube platform. Okay. And the only advice I have is you're, you're doing better than I am. You're uploading every fucking day. Yeah. You're going to crush it, man. People want, you can have your favorite, all right. Your favorite rapper ever. You put the song, you're like, damn, I might loop that shit back. This, I'm putting the CD back on. Yeah. You know, let's play it again. In three months, you go, damn, what mindset was I in? I can listen to that bitch twice. Yeah. People do that with videos. Go, oh, I got bored. I, um, I didn't upload. Uh, it's been a week. Uh, you know what? I got busy on Thursday, and his uploads a Thursday. I'll catch it next week, and that next week never happens. Yeah. So what it is is an upload every day. You're catching people that are at work on Monday, but they're not on Tuesday and then right. they're working Wednesday, but they don't work Thursday. Mm-hmm. So you see what you're going to do is going to, we treat exactly like a business. Like how can I, well, I don't, I just started getting paid on my channel. I never got paid before. It's like five weeks ago, right? 2.5 billion watch time. Minutes. Yeah. No, I don't get paid because I do weed shit. So I don't get money, but I did get a check the other day for like 1800 bucks. I was like, fuck. But yeah. the podcast you get paid. The podcast yeah. we do. We too. They fuck the with us. The podcast is booming. Yeah. He's like, yes, it is. It's doing good. It's doing good. (laughs) No, big booming. Yes, but for yours, what you're already doing, man, is it? I wouldn't upload under eight minutes. Okay. If that's my only advice to you, give people ten to twelve minutes if you don't want to go too long. Other than that, fucking give you full length. My new story time coming out is an hour and a half coming out this week. Who's somebody who's young that's breaking the rules? Because I always want to study what's next as well. I know you know the space, but like. Everything like I remember, like vlogs were a thing, and then the people who did like the concept videos started winning, and vlogs fell out. But what what's a rule that can break? Because sometimes things do come back around, just like people with baggy pants right now. Mm-hmm. They're cool. Where it's you, it's you, it's what you're gonna do. Okay, you're gonna be the new thing that breaks the rule of things. Okay, that's how I see it. Because what you're doing on TikTok, what you're doing on your other platforms, people try to do that as their whole image when it's just what you want to be fucking doing to help yeah. and by the way it's recorded by the way it's recorded well it's not just like okay um we need thirty thousand views find someone that's sick no it's more like yo we found someone said we filmed it damn it got 30 million views that's what your shit's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be more like i could see it mm-hmm. by june like cnn doing a piece like look at this youtuber out here mm-hmm. giving back to an entire school yeah. like that's how i see it happening don't go under to eight minutes that's all right for me to you. Shit, under okay. 10 minutes, man. Yeah. Gotcha. Under be in minutes. the premieres. Premiere the video and be in there. Oh, there's the live probably chat. not premieres anymore when he was back then. Yeah. No, premieres is, is a big tool. Thank you, Marty. Premier, so premiere. Instead of live. I'm I mean, going to tell you what I'm really going to do. I'm going to throw a, a physical premiere as well. Mm-hmm. Every every big video we do, in like theater. the big ones, 
well, we got a Dream Factory, Screen but yeah. Oh yeah, that's right up. <laughs> but yeah, so so this Saturday our first premiere because there was actually a video we made about the whole like trying to pull off the Mr. Beast thing. Mm-hmm. So oh, I you met, did it. I met the little girl and then incorporated the TED Talk and then okay, how do we get Mr. Beast? And then it actually happened and then boom. So that's gonna be like our first like big YouTube premiere where I like promote it. A lot of videos I just upload, mm-hmm. but so, then the big promotion. So this is what premieres on YouTube now. We do it every single video. We've okay. not missed a fucking premiere in five years. Okay. You press public, private, schedule. Yeah. You press schedule, say, our show comes out. Our show's coming out today, every Monday at 3 o'clock. But thing is with premiere, yeah. it has a live chat on the side, and yeah. we all watch it for the first time together, commenting back together, talking to people. There's thousands of people in there chatting. Whoa, that part was fucking nuts. And I respond to them. Oh, you know what? Actually, me and Marty did this and this and this. And we're in there though, every fucking video, every Monday for no matter if it's four hour video or one hour video. We're in there typing the whole every Monday, every Thursday from my other channel. It's just, imagine watching the new Adam Sandler movie and he's in the chat with you like, go get ready for this next part, guys. You're going to love it. That's like, it goes live I before it, and then we all Yeah, we go live together. 15 minutes before. All right, get ready. This is what we're doing. Today's guest, blah, blah, blah. Go! And then the shit starts. I got to pee really bad. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. I'm enjoying this so much, by the way. So are we. That's no, what I appreciate. we're just saying. We're just saying, like, this is a great fucking episode, man. No, but for real, thank you. This has been just the most... The, unexpectedly motivational. <laughs> well, I expected it to be motivational. Well, unex- I mean... I knew what we were getting into. Yeah. But when you really break things down, I feel like the audience is really going to... My little brother just texted me, like, I love this episode. Mm. He's fucking right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good one, man. Like, I just... I want, I would... You're, I've never met no one like you, man. I gotta be honest. I never met nobody so uh, optimistic, and I love it. <laughs> Last night, I was trying to tell my friend Ralph, yeah. like... Because there's, there's, I've met people like, no, it's not, I, it's not me. Not for me. Not in this life. I'm like, bro, you have no idea yeah. how poor I've been and like fucking ready to break down and like move back. I can't do it. Not going to work. But I feel like, yo, any of your obstacles, you could have stopped and be done. You could have been done. But there's a reason why you're still here is because you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize your brain is so much more powerful than it is. You see that shit? It's because it's happening. It's just not here yet. You're just looking to the preview of like oh, next week's episode. quantum physics. Now that you explained it, it, it makes was, perfect sense. All the possibilities are already defined. It's literally the quantum possibilities. There's millions of paths that at the finish line are already determined. There's some butterfly you, effect shit. When you put that camera somewhere, the focus. that's where it goes. It literally is where the energy goes every time. But it's already done. Time just hasn't caught up yet. Yeah, a fucking mind blowing, man. <laughs> no, it, it really is. I think about it all the time. What if I didn't do that thing? Mm-hmm. I would have been oh. dead. I would have killed. Like, I always think of these little things. Like, I learned that from here, and it helped me out 30 years later. I just didn't know. I just, people watch this every week. So I hope you guys take away from this episode what I'm trying to take away. I've never left the show. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah. I feel better. Like, I, I, I got gears fun. turning in my head. Exactly. Different than usual. What's, what's some big episode. dreams? What are we dreaming right now? Let's come on. Let's manifest. Um, the only dream I have is like in, in years or like coming up now. It doesn't even matter. What's something big? So I just want to take over that Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel spot. You like actually one day you actually have the personality for that. One day I'm gonna be like so tonight, guys. President <laughs> yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger again. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my dream to be like, hey America, 
let me entertain you guys for an hour every night. That's what I want to do to Johnny Carson mm-hmm. eventually. You have that and gift. Thank bro. you. That's not even. It doesn't there. even seem like it's going to be hard, to be honest. Thank you. That's yeah, because that's you'll probably inspire people more than who was before you. I hope so. You're as entertaining, but you also have this like depth. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. And you got the spice. You know, the world you come from, people need human yeah. really bad. And like you come from a world that's like culturally relevant. And that's where things are going anyways. Yep. So I think that's probably easier than you mm-hmm. guess. A lot Thank of that hard work is done. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing I said when I work. So Marty, what's you? Yeah, well, I, I'm unique because I just realized that like, I call it my finish line. I just hit my first finish line last year through this podcast, which was, you know what I mean, Moving out here, I've been out here almost 10 years now, buying my first house, renovating the house, getting all my shit together as just a human by the time I was 35. So that was that was it. We're still on the back end of renovating the house right now. And to get the podcast up to the point that it could be one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah. So I took I had a roster of like 10 big comedians and businesses and shit I work with. Yeah. Over the past two years, I started working with him. We funneled it down to where it's basically just now me and him. Yep. So now, like, we're, we're really realizing a lot of the big dreams from the vision board, moving into the new studio, season three, ratcheting this up to the point that financial freedom is really, like, the next goal of, like, it's, you know, you hit a couple of those milestones, and now it's like, shit, I can do it. It's evident. I have proof now. It's, I'm not just a dreamer. Like, I was like you. People thought I was fucking crazy, though, because mm. I was from Buffalo, like, deep in some hip-hop eight-mile shit. Mm-hmm. And I started talking all this shit after I saw The Secret. They were calling me White Devil. They were calling me crazy and mm-hmm. shit. Like, I'm talking about natural laws of the universe. I'm talking about intention. I'm talking about yeah. all this shit that seemed crazy. No, and it, it feels good now to be like, <laughs> I know it sounded crazy, but that shit was real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. So I'm just trying to keep, like we've been talking about it like uh, two, three weeks ago. I got to make a new vision board. It's yep. time to reset these goals. Exactly. So time that's, to go. I'm in the process of doing that right now and just nice. seeing what happens. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole overall goal of the whole show, I hope every single person that watches can starts to grow as we go. We're like homies. Like we're homies with these people. We see them. They see us. They're virtual friends. Like we say, mm-hmm. and I just hope like those comments keep rolling in of like, yo, I got that job. But right? it's just like little yeah, Olivia at the thing. show. Like, that spark had that spark. I mean, her whole life could go in a different, different direction. direction. Yeah, that's that could be for that's what we're hoping for every viewer. Yeah, you get that spark, and it's like, damn, that's in there now. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Your life can go off in a completely different direction. We're all alive. You're healthy. You got it. That's it. You got nothing to whine about. Exactly. And with your dream foundation, what's the next step? I mean, I think the next step is is going to be not so much like playing the game like dominating like making making a, a movement so big that we really shift shift culture like the same way we shift the culture in hip-hop which seems easy because it's entertainment but then in philanthropy that doesn't seem so easy but how do you make it entertainment to where it truly is because like we'll upload a video right now and we'll be able to fundraise a hundred thousand dollars for a little girl with cancer within 10 hours like, that's the power of using the crowd and entertaining and understanding how these algorithms work, but not for, like, vanity, but more for, mm-hmm. like, let's change this little girl's life, y'all. So it's like we're at the – we're ushering in a new era of philanthropy the same way we ushered in a new era of hip-hop. Wow. Um, so really, like, I see YouTube as the biggest thing to where my brain – I know my brain works – 
as big, if not bigger than even like a Mr. Beast who thinks really big, but like, but that's how my brain works. So it's like, when I think about little Olivia, it's like, how do we make her a million dollars in three weeks? And that's the first level of the video game. Like where I'll be six years from now is like, okay, it's not make her a million dollars in three weeks. It's make her a hundred million dollars and we're global distribution through every H&M or every, you know, and then it's like, okay, then we're partnering with Nike and this and it's in every store. So it's like, there's this ladder that like, you think about like Mr. Beast has climbed a ladder of just dreaming big and he just, you know, climbs it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that, but for other people to where it's not just me. Okay. I'm going to bring on this concept called the dream 100 where now there's not just me. Now there's a hundred of me. Mm. And this is a real army of love. Now, when I look at like a Titan in the game, I look at like a make a wish, for example, make a wish does 10,000 wishes a year. Wow. That's a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. But they raise 239 million to do that. I'm like, that's a lot of money to do 10,000 wishes, which is great. I love what they do. But then I was like, if I had a hundred people in the army, it did two dreams a week. It's 10,000. Yeah. It's not hard. A mm. hundred. So I'm going to form the dream 100 and I'm going to show donors that, that like, okay, we don't need to spend $239 million to make 10,000 dreams come true. We could do it for 20 million because we're using creators. We're using social media. We're like that new innovative. So it's like step one is, YouTube. Step two is like dream 100. Then it's like where we're at in five years from now, it's like, okay, how do we do a million dreams in a year? Okay, let's keep the scaling, you know? So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to do it in the biggest way possible. Bigger than anything I ever done. Bigger than music, bigger than the the Nike stuff. Coolest shit I ever heard, man. Literally spreading positivity globally other than yourself is most selfless thing you could do. So I fucking appreciate that. And making positivity cool is the number one step. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, you, you look sick. You help out. Because mm-hmm. we want to do the beach cleanups. Like, dude, do something. Mm-hmm. We need to do something to, like, make your community. If y'all I got, help. I man. got a text. I just literally got a text message. You're, y'all going to think I made this up. Because I'm doing a podcast. I did not make it up. I got a text message from my boy, P. He texts me, Langford, and Timmy. Um, he said, I have a kid. He sent this at 1135, by the way. He said, I have a kid. His name is Reggie. He's down bad in a bad situation and environment. Highly intuitive kid, very wise and smart, but he's hurting. He has a voice. He wants to be a motivational speaker to help kids like him. I feel like he could have his own podcast. He's a really captivating kid. He's 15 years old. He's in a bad place. What if we made a dream come true together? Help them launch a podcast. We do a whole thing, rally everybody, and we make a dream come true, us three. I love that. But in the biggest way, let's think about the biggest ideas. What could be, who's his first guest? You see what I'm saying? Like, how yeah, could I see we what you're saying see, now. like, we got to think so big that now it's fun. Launching podcasts, be like, oh, here's some little equipment. Now, well, hold on. 
Big is fun. And sometimes big is even easier. So what if we made a dream come true together, a podcasting dream, but we really launch that thing into the stratosphere. He's his first guest is out of here, but we teach him. We, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, and he that. could inspire a lot of yeah. other kids. We talked it about it recently because we had a meet and greet and these kids were like, yo, you can start a podcast. I go start a fucking podcast. There's no podcast for people under 20. There's no podcast of a 15 year old going out there like, Perspective from me. Mm-hmm. You know how many fans you'll have? Who's on the internet? Fucking kids. Yeah. The most. Yeah. Who's going to flock to the kid speaking his mind? Fucking kids the yeah. most. Mm-hmm. Who's going to show up at the meet and greet? The sure. kids. Who's going to buy the shirt? Fucking kids. I mean, with their parents' money, maybe, but I, we were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. Like a podcast for somebody that's not an adult yeah. would be so fucking massive because that's the main population on YouTube. Now they can be like, oh, I'm 15. Who's got LeBron James on his show? Like, there's so many things. Like, I'm inspired. I can do it. I, I, I can do something. Good shit. Right, that. Let's yeah. do Good that. shit. Let's Y'all want to do that? Yeah, of course. course. We're going to make a big dream. Whatever you want to do. Um, Is he from LA? Yeah. Easier. He's in LA. You yeah, would have thought I planned this. Mid-episode. <laughs> well, when I went to go use the restroom, yeah. I was checking my text messages. Yeah. And... I mean, I, it didn't even hit me till just now, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't. I read it, and I'm like, "Oh, I want to help him." And as I was sitting down thinking about this, I was like, "Man, if we made a dream come true in the biggest way possible, we need to think of the biggest things we could do." So I can't wait to do a brainstorming session. Let's think of biggest things to set his career up. Because if the if every kid who ever wanted a podcast sees him do it, exactly. they'll believe. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. And tune in. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. Like, and fucking tune. The shyest kid it takes. You talk to the shy kid once, fucking opens right up. That was yeah. me. Talk to me, man. I don't talk to motherfuckers. If you talk to me, man, I talk a lot. I just don't yeah. want to initiate. That was me as a kid. Yeah, like breaking that first step was so hard. And if somebody just helped me, but you know, it's not. It's, it's you're looking back on your former self, like, damn, that kid was fucking shy. That's weird. Thinking yeah. about it now, but that shy kid might be two years later, be us mm-hmm. talking, walking around, like doing shit. So, yes. Appreciate it. You have our information. Let's, let's get it let's done. Let's do it in February. Let's do after it. after I go run it up for well, this know, little girl. Exactly, because mm-hmm. we, we're moving this week. So Yeah. So like yeah. sometime mid February, let's do a big drink. I can't wait. Right. That's fucking sick, bro. Like that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. This I'm is down. The stuff we've been talking about. We want this is cool, dude. Because we just answer. we talked about it recently. There needs to be a show for yeah. kids that for kids. Hey, next thing you know, you have shit. a little podcast network. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you talked about that recently, too. Let's go. No, dude, thank you so much. And right now, how can everybody support? If there's a fucking billionaire out there is like the Dream Foundation, how can it be a part of it? How do they get in contact with anybody in your team? Yeah. How does this work? Um, it's pretty easy to find us. Uh, Charlie on Instagram, Charlie on TikTok, Charlie Rocket on YouTube. The number one thing I'm going to ask y'all to do is if you see something we're doing get involved like it could be simple like if you watch our youtube video that's a form of donation Mm -hmm. simple Mm -hmm. if you don't have like you could literally just watch it and it's going to help people because we take that money and we help people every day so it's like just helping us help more people if you see a fundraiser link you want to donate a dollar a thousand dollars just do it share if you can't donate but that's all i ask is energy money is energy Effort is energy. Talking to somebody else about it is energy. Mm-hmm. But um, whether you want to hop on this movement now or you want to hop on in 30 years, I'm still going to be doing the same thing. So it's like I would love for people to join the army of love. That's all I want. Like we're out here every day 
So if you want to join, come on now, come on later, whatever. There's a we just we just want people's energy. That's it. I can appreciate you, man. The message and everything, dude. This is I, I honestly I'm one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I was just dude. gonna say that for real. Wow, like, I thank really you. fucking love this. Thank you for coming through and giving us your time because I know you got shit to do. So thank you very <laughs> much. So for everyone out there, Charlie on everything except Charlie Rocket on Instagram on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Charlie Rocket, we'll pop it all up on the screen yep. and shit yeah. too. But yeah, anything you, else you want to say? Really Marty? appreciate this. And uh, I'm really looking forward to do that in February and probably a bunch of other stuff in the future too. Just let us know, man. That sounds great. We have a, I have a brand called the dopest. Yeah. Uh, It's alternative cannabinoid brand, but we're trying give a car here, help us full here. Yeah. Nursing school, help this. So whatever you can do, we're fucking down. This is what me and my partners are always trying to do. Many of stories. So if y'all want to to ever do that, I got tons. Like that's I got John, that's what he does every day. He's like, oh, they just did their first charity act in the Philippines for Toys for Tots. We just yeah, we're just trying to do like, yeah, bro. Like people are bringing the money. Like we don't need all of it. Let's fucking <laughs> spend. Like like Respect. I want to help. Whatever we can do, what you're doing, you have the infrastructure of us. Like how can we help today? Yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, this is great. This is fucking perfect. Thank you very much. Of course, this is a good episode. Thank you very 100%. much for coming today. Hey, man. thank y'all. Thank you, everybody. Go follow. Go support. Uh, like I said, we always say it. Even liking is support. It helps. Watching is support. So go help and support something that's entertainment. And by the way, you're helping the world change people's lives all around the world. So thank you so much. Marty, thank you for thank being you, here. Sir. Charlie, thank Charlie. you for giving us your time. Guys, this has been the Dope's Usual Podcast. Have a dope ass day. Yeah. Dude. Ooh. Love this. Dope.